everybody, Michael Davis here and welcome to Bone to Pick. I am really excited to have an old friend, uh, our featured artist for the month of August up with us today, the great Douglas Proviance. Um, Douglas is a Grammy award-winning producer, bass trombotist extraordinaire, uh, tubaist of acclaim. Uh -huh. uh, he's a contractor. He's been at this for over 40 years at a very high level of success. Uh, he's been a member of the Thad Jones Mel Lewis slash Mel Lewis slash Vanguard Jazz Orchestra since 1977. Uh, he was a charter member of the Carnegie Hall Jazz Band. Uh, he cut his teeth early on with the legendary Stan Kenton Orchestra. Uh, he has toured and recorded with a virtual who's who of the jazz world, including Joe Henderson, J.J. Johnson, Christian McBride, Dizzy Gillespie, Slide Hampton, Steve Ture, just to name a few. Uh, on the New York show scene, he was a member of the orchestra at Cats for the entire run of the show from 1982 to 2000. He currently holds down the bass trombone chair at the hit show Wicked, where he's been since 2003. Uh, it is always a pleasure to see Douglas, always a pleasure to work with him. And I'll start off with one of my favorite Douglas Provine stories. There are many. Uh, we were uh, doing a, uh, a Nancy Wilson record in, uh, in Pittsburgh. Uh, the great Manchester Craftsman's Guild, wonderful venue and uh, recording facility there and that great art series they have. And as often happens when you're coming from New York, flights get delayed and, and we were flying right in and we were going to have a little break and then go immediately to the studio and rehearse and get ready for the recording. So the young gentleman who picked us up, a very nice young man, and uh, he, we all get in the van and uh, he says, you know, guys, uh, we're running a little late today, so we're going to go directly from the uh, airport to the venue. And from the back of the van, we hear... I don't do airport to venue. And that was the great Douglas Proviance, of course, saving us all from having to go directly to the venue. So that puts Douglas in a nutshell. He's always says, says it like it is. And, and uh, of course, we all benefited because we got to go to the hotel and chill out a little bit. But anyway, without further ado, Douglas, thanks so much for coming yeah. up to New City today. Yeah, man. Great, great My to pleasure. see you. Thanks for having me. Let's jump in and talk about, we were just talking about Baltimore. You grew up in Baltimore. You went to Towson State. Maybe share some of your, some of your early memories and, uh, and, and what that experience was like for yeah. you. Well, growing up in Baltimore was great. First of all, thanks for having me. It's, oh. just, it's, it's an honor to, to, to be here. Thank you. It's our honor. So, um, growing up in Baltimore was great. You know, I, you know, Baltimore is not too far from New York. You know, always, by the way, I've always loved uh, that New York was so close. You could jump on the train, although I didn't early on. But Baltimore was a lot of good things. I went to Towson State uh, and I studied with John Mellick. Uh, who was a great uh, trombonist who at the time was uh, um, in the Baltimore Symphony Orchestra. He subbed in the Philly Orchestra, so I got a really good um, classical uh, foundation. And he was a devotee of, <clears throat> of Emory Remington, so I, he gave me a lot of that stuff. So. Um, that was great. Also, the, the jazz scene down there, you know, there's an area called Pennsylvania Avenue where all the cats from Baltimore would, I mean, all the cats from New York and all over the world would come, you know, like kind of a chitlin circuit uh, mm -hmm. uh, thing, and all the greats were there. Also, now that I think of it, there's a wonderful uh, historic 
venue called the Left Bank Jazz Society. That is something that everybody should like look up the history of that. Okay. And what was really cool about it is they, they would bring down all the talent from New York. Uh, and it was right walking distance from Penn Station. So it was very easy for guys to come down from New York, get on the train, get to Baltimore, oh, yeah. do the gig, go back home. So I saw everybody, uh, all the jazz artists there. And uh, it was just an interesting time. Um, oh, and at uh, um, Towson State was interesting because there was a great uh, Hank Levy was there. Oh, sure. Right. And so oh. I was, uh, I learned a lot about odd time eaters and all that <laughs> stuff. That, you I'm know. still have nightmares yeah, of right, some right. of those Hank Levy charts. <laughs> great <laughs> as they are, I'm still trying to figure yeah, out some of them. Well, that was, that was cool. As a matter of fact, playing with. Uh, uh, at the um, with Hank Levy and his music was instrumental in me becoming a member of the Stan Kenton Orchestra because uh, Stan Kenton uh, would give a week-long clinic uh, at various uh, Venn colleges uh, around the country and one of the places was Towson State College at the time mm -hmm. um, and uh, so you ever notice that uh, there's no colleges anymore? Everything's a university. That's right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> They've all made the shift. You're right, yeah. right. So anyway, uh, so that was good. That it was just it was just a great time to 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 be in Baltimore. But uh, very cool. Well, let's talk a little bit about what one thing that I find amazing, and I've known you for so long, but I didn't really know the whole history behind you being on Stan Kenton's band and. Uh, and uh, what that experience was like for you. I know I actually attended one of the Stan Kenton oh. camps when I was in uh -huh. high school, and perhaps I saw you there. Yeah, right. But, uh, but yeah, that was an amazing experience. But uh, mm. what was that like playing with Stan? And uh, I also understand you were a bit of the Mick Jagger of the band, which ah. very popular with the ladies, ah. I've heard. But, uh, well. but at any rate, you can address that at whatever level you like. But, uh, but more importantly, what, what it was like working with Stan yeah. and the rest of the cats on the band. Well, you know, when uh, we... We, uh, when I thought about doing the interview, I said, you know, well, <laughs> you know, there's got to be, you know, and the and the and the and the uh, period I grew up in, this is going to surprise you, uh, uh, in this, and I grew up in the '60s and the '70s, and so there was a lot of racial, sure. you know, movement, uh, upheaval, and a lot of racial experiences that you know, that I really think I should, you know, let people know and, and talk Absolutely. about because, yeah. it, you know, you have to, you have to share that stuff. I've become, I don't want to say an old man, but I have experience. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, it's my job now to, yeah, to, to, to lay that on. So when we talk about uh, Stan Kenton, Stan Kenton was very interesting and uh, because I was the only African-American person on the band at that time. As a matter of fact, when I say I played in Stan Kenton, uh, they would go, really? You know? <laughs> <laughs> so I go, yeah. And also <laughs> my name, my last name, Proviant, you know, it's, you know, it's not your typical, you know, you know name. So right, they're thinking, right. some, you know, when I would do some of those clinics, <laughs> I would I would have a private student and so I would come down and they, they would come and they'd be meet me and I'd say, Hello, I'm I'm Douglas Proviance and they would go, No, 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 no. They would meet me and they'd say, Well, I want a lesson with uh, Douglas Proviance, you know. <laughs> I 
yes, well, hello, pleased to meet you, well, you know. <laughs> Here so, I am. Yeah. But anyway, Stan Kenton, that was, that was it for me because of a lot of reasons. You know, I, uh, there's also some backlash, too, from, you know, African-American uh, 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 communities. Like, you know, that was, you know, this kind of jazz and that, mm, you know, yeah. bullshit. This was like <laughs> the real deal. Because, first of all, you know, my experience is with uh, big bands. And that was the first really professional big band that I played on. And the arrangements. See, it's about the arrangements. You can get a lot of great musicians together, and you know, you're gonna sound. It doesn't. It won't sound that good unless you have great arrangers. And right. the, the, I think the best thing about my whole experience is that I've been around so many great arrangers. Okay, starting with the Kenton band. One of my favorite guys was Johnny Richards. Oh my God. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Sure. He. He he did some you know something. Oh, and then Marty Page. Marty, of course. Oh my God, we go on and on. Then you know, they, just check them out. You know those <laughs> those guys. And but they had everybody. You know. Did they ever come out when you guys were uh, playing? Not, oh or, yeah 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 yeah. Uh, Johnny Richards uh, uh, was at one of the the clinics. I remember one time when I was there. I was there in '75 and then '76. Uh, I was there. Um, about you know a year and a half, okay. but but you got to realize that year and a half felt like four years because <laughs> we played every day. You know that right. that sounds strange now. You know, be, I mean, we we played every day. Boom! It, it really taught me uh, a lot about becoming a professional musician. Because when I was in college, <clears throat> or when you're in college, you're like, okay, we're going to get ready for the spring concert, you know, and you're, we're practicing, and you know, and you get everything right. Then the spring concert comes, and you're like, boom, weren't we wonderful? Hey, mom, you know. But once I got in a kitten band, it was like, boom, play today. You're like, oh, we just traveled like seven hours on a bus. It's like, play now. And people, like you mentioned before, people are like, save like for six months and and wait six months oh we're gonna see the stan kenton band you know tonight you know blah 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 and you're like uh man you gotta bring it yeah so yeah. it really helped me that was the biggest biggest thing and um um i know i'm a, a, you know i'm going all over the place but a lot no, of ideas great are, stuff i love it a <laughs> lot it. of ideas are, are coming now stan kenton you know this racial thing about that so you know we traveled every square inch of america you know, it was so I learned all about, you know, you, you, you say, oh, yeah, Prescott, Arizona, you know, uh, this, that, you know, all the places. <clears throat> and Stan Kenton was a very, very warm person. I mean, he treated me, you know, very well. I, I mean, I think we had a really, really good bond. And, uh, uh, you know, he took some heat having me in the band, but he like he really supported me and and he treated me as an equal and uh, um, so um, you know and at that time in his life, you know he was a you know he was fading a little bit, mm -hmm. you know and uh, uh, but anyway, those memories of being with Stan Kenton is like so so wonderful and I I don't train and I brought it with me uh, to New York. Yeah, you know, and what was that like? And and thank you for sharing all that about Stan. That's very uh, very cool, and yeah. and the insight that you in those experiences. 
So you moved from Stan's band, you moved to New York in 1977, I think it was. Yeah. So mm-hmm. getting uh, getting up to the 40th anniversary here. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, I know. Wow, that is but, wow. Uh, but what was, what was it? I know you were successful like right from the get-go, but what was, what was your earliest memories of coming to New York and what it was like back then? Well, you know, I have to tell on myself because I, I, for years and years and years, I would tell people when I would meet them all over the world, I'd say, you know, just come to New York, you know, and, you know, things would take care of itself. And I really meant it. And because, but things were different then. I mean, they had so many rehearsal <laughs> bands, right. you know, and they needed players all over the place. There were gigs. I don't know if there were a lot of paint paying gigs or high pay but you could learn always thought about new york as a place to learn your craft you know and some of the attitudes i hear these days are like well i don't you know i'm a little uncomfortable in new york and but it's like man you're 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 20 years old what are you think going to retire now It's like coming to learn what's going on, yeah, man. Yeah, yeah. Sit next, you know, sit in between Mike and I and just see what <laughs> right. they're doing, you know. So, uh, now, by the way, I always love playing with you, man. Oh, I really man. do. I, I mean, I'm not just saying it like when I said, I, we just did a record date, what, last two weeks ago? Yeah, oh, some, yeah a couple like weeks that. ago, yeah. And uh, I'm listening and I'm like, you know, yeah. <laughs> this is it, man. I'm like, you know. the feeling is mutual, yeah, as, well, you know, well, as you know. Well, thanks. But in fact, uh, New York was was really special. You know, New York is uh, what what is what is good about New York is that it's a it's a place where everybody from around the world come to, and and they and they make it a special place. Mm-hmm. It's not just mm-hmm. I hardly even know any native born New Yorkers. You know, sure. uh, yeah. maybe John Mosca, Earl McIntyre, you know, uh, but uh, everybody comes here and they work it out, you know, and it's not that easy to work it out. But when you stay here and you work it out, if even if you don't play one gig, you will learn so much just by hearing the other great players that are around. Um, I do remember walking... Uh, there were there were a bunch of gentlemen who took care of you know took care of me. Jack Jeffers gave me my first gig, um, and I owe a lot to him. Mm. Um, he gave me my first gig in town. Um, uh, I think it was the Wiz. It was a show oh, yeah, sure. and, and yeah. stuff like that. But there's a lot going on. There was a lot of people. Um, you know, needing needing members for rehearsal bands and stuff like that. I just I just loved it. I could play all the time, but it's not like that now. It's a little bit more difficult, and yeah. I would be telling people, "Oh, just come. It's going to be okay." <laughs> they come. It's like, well, there's nothing here. <laughs> well, I don't know about nothing, but it's not as you know like it used to be. But nothing is. So yeah, it yeah. certainly changed. Yeah. Um, you know. For those of you, um, I'm sure everybody who knows Douglas Provence knows his long-time association with the Thad Jones, Mel Lewis, Vanguard Jazz Orchestra. I have so many questions I want to ask you about that, but you're one of the one of the few members of the band, and, and by the way, I think it's the one of the greatest big bands of all time, if mm-hmm. you could make an argument that it's the greatest. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm a huge fan of the band, love hearing you guys whenever you get the opportunity, big fan of everybody in the band. Mm-hmm. Um, all that you. said, you're one of the few members who actually played with that, along with John Mosca and Dick Oates and mm-hmm. a few of the other, uh, yeah. Jim McNeely and... Uh, McNeely uh, and... Uh, 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 
Hmm. Uh, Rich Perry. Rich, right? Rich okay. Perry. Yeah. And um, and and I want to talk about how the band has evolved. You guys are self-managed now. It's just a really an incredible success story. Um, but maybe talk about how you first got with the band and your memories of Thad Jones. Obviously, uh, to me, is the most important big band arranger of all time. But uh, mm. what your your thoughts? You knew the man, so. Well, okay. Well, uh, thank you for all those kind words about the band. I I love the band so much. Um, it really has changed my life, and I and I put a lot of my life into it and energy mm. into it. Uh, well, when I first moved to New York, and then of course uh, I first heard the band when I was with Kenton. We and um, we all we were at a festival somewhere in Europe. I don't I don't know where. I don't remember where. Uh, and. Uh, we played a set, and then they played a set, or vice versa. But I remember going like, I was still in the Kenton band then, and it was like, man, that band is so <laughs> cool. They were like, cool, man. You know, like it was the thing. You know, <clears throat> and also, you know, uh, that it was so cool that the two leaders, Thad Jones and Mel Lewis, you know, they were, and it was a mixed band. You know, it was like. Half black, half white, and the leaders were that way. It was, and like, in, in 1977, or, or when I first heard them in, in 76, actually, uh, that was the coolest thing ever, yeah. you know, and they were just, they were just something. And so when I moved to uh, New York, and one of the first things I wanted to do was come down on a Monday night and hear the band. So I go down in the cellar, and like, it's this dark place, you know, nightclub and it's like and the band is playing and it like it really really it sounds so corny but this is the truth it really felt like home mm. it really felt like home. i was like wow <laughs> wow i was like i could breathe and the clientele everything it was like this is home and so i, I i've kind of been there ever since so it was a good hang it was a really good hang down in the uh, village vanguard uh max gordon uh, the owner, for these you don't know, uh, was the, uh, the owner of uh, the Village Vanguard. And it was the hub for all the jazz musicians. So there would be Thad Jones, Mel Lewis playing, and the band playing, but, you know, uh, Dizzy Gillespie over in the corner, and that, uh, you know, everything. Oh, it, would be, it was just so cool. But, um, uh, yeah, I've always loved the band, and at that, at that time, Earl... Earl McIntyre was playing uh, bass trombone in the band, and I would come down every week just so they hear the band. I mean, mm -hmm. like, wow, what what more important? <laughs> what is there more important than than I'm that yeah. I can? And I lived in Manhattan, so boom, I was there every night. So one night, uh, Earl McIntyre says, uh, "I can't make a, I can't make it next week. Can you can you do this?" Or um, you know, my first time playing with the band. Uh, I don't know if I sat in with him or I covered for a rehearsal or something like that for, for Earl. But I do remember the first gig I went out of town with them. They were doing what the, it was a, a jazz festival, shall we say, down in Virginia. And uh, it, it, we were the opening act for the Cool Jazz Festival. And, oh, yeah, uh, yeah, 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 sure. Yeah, and uh, there was a, the, we were opening act for this, uh, soul band called the Travares, and <laughs> and so we get on the bus and we drive like five or six hours down to Virginia, and 
and we get off and I was scared as <laughs> you can be. <laughs> so, and oh, and Pepper Adams on the bus and you know, Earl Gardner and uh, oh, it was just so, oh, and Jerry Tosh, it was like all the stars yeah. and I'm like, oh my God, <laughs> you know, and they were having fun, whichever way they were drinking <laughs> and whatever else they were doing. And I was just petrified. And so, um, so we got there and then I, I, I can't believe how scared I was. <laughs> so hey, I don't blame you. Yeah. How could you not be? <laughs> so uh, we, we get there and he, which is the funny part, like we set up, we ready to play that, of course, that and that and Mel. And so we started playing and the audience, they didn't want to hear this stuff, man. They wanted to hear this, this soul band, man. They didn't want to hear this stuff. So we play about four tunes and they were like, okay, you, you, you know, they scoot us off. So it was about 40 minutes. So I, I got by, you yeah. know, so. <laughs> so uh, then I had some fun on the way back home. But, uh, uh, so that was my first time on, on the band. And then um, it was interesting. On, it's a story that I, I, uh, I don't know, I, I guess I'm proud of it, you know, because of the history of the band. Uh, there was a... Um, how do I say a a habit or 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 time when when the band would have it when the that that and Mel's band would have a a tour they'd say okay and there would be long tours there would mm -hmm. be six to eight weeks or, or whatever like that in Europe or in Japan or something and they say well who is gonna go on this tour and so the guys who couldn't make it Thad would basically say okay well you know that's it so they would you know you'd be yeah. off the band I don't know if that rule applied to everyone, but it applied to a lot of people. And so there was this one tour in um, 1978, which is a very important year uh, on the band. And it was a six to eight week, I think it was six weeks, uh, six week tour uh, of Europe. Um, and Earl uh, couldn't make that one. Mm -hmm. So, um anyway i did that tour and that was that was thad's last last tour with the band that was a tour where uh all the stuff happened but let me just we will get into the details of that <laughs> of that tour a little bit later but be about me joining the band and during that tour is when thad came to me um uh at one time and in the lobby he said look i want you to join the band and i was like wow so, but that is so, uh, uh, I was like, well, I was thrilled. So I said, well, you know, Earl, you know, is there, you know, I'm playing bass trombone. So, uh, he said, well, whatever, we'll work it out. But that, and when I came back, that was when we had, uh, the two, the bass, two bass trombones. So that really changed the, 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 the makeup of the band at that time. Sure. And of course that was when Thad Jones left the band and then uh, Bob Brookmeyer started writing, so he wrote for two bass trombones. And, oh, I was, wow, okay. and when I thought about it, I was like, "Wow, man, I I changed the you know part of the makeup of the band, you know." But um, <clears throat> uh, once uh, Earl uh, Earl McIntyre left the band, they started writing again, you know, just for uh, back to the tradition. Yeah, yeah. You know, but man, after playing last night with uh, 
with, with, with Jeff Nelson. <laughs> Jeff Nelson's a bad dude. Oh man, yeah, yeah, fantastic. Yeah. Um, well, what was the? And it, I want to ask you about later on as when it became the Vanguard Jazz Orchestra. But how was that? that now Thad has left a band, which is obviously a massive hole in the in the band. Your your leader and your mm -hmm. chief arranger and that and visionary to the band is gone now. Mm -hmm. How what was what was the feeling like uh, with Mel taking over? And then you mentioned Brookmeyer coming in and doing a lot of the yeah, writing. Yeah. Well, <clears throat> uh, you know, we all love the band. You know, I think, you know, it's like, it's all the members that just really love the band. But I it must tell the story about how in like almost overnight the band became Thad Jones, Mel Lewis to the Mel Lewis Jazz Orchestra. Yeah. And, and everyone, it fused into it. You know, there was no was you know as much as i love svad jones you know he did everything right except uh leaving the band in a <laughs> in a, a healthy way uh -huh. and so on that uh 1978 tour uh i thad got uh a offer and that, no one really knows how long he had that offer in his pocket. Mm. But he had an offer for the Danish uh, radio big band uh, to uh, an, an offer he couldn't refuse. I mean, like he, they, they could, uh, he could, uh, as John Mosca would say, you know, like he could, he could come on this on the scene and say, okay, I need forty strings and, and you know twelve French horns and blah blah blah, and boom, there would be, you know, for a writer. That's everything, sure, you know. Yeah. So, but during that tour is when Thad uh, got into a, a tussle and and uh, and his chops were ruined, and so you know he was thinking about retiring. So that makes a sense. He he said, "Man, maybe now is the time to take, you know, take this offer." You Interesting. know. Interesting. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So. Um, and uh, so when Thad his chops were all beat up and. It was, a, it was, a, it was, a, it was horrible. And so we were making this long, long bus tour and, um, uh, there was whispers all over the bus, like dad is, you know, dad might be leaving and things like that. And, um, so, but you know, I was just in the back of the bus, just hanging. You know? <laughs> <laughs> so next thing you know, they said, well, we'll send, um, We'll we'll send Dick Oates up there to talk to Thad because Thad was so close to Dick Oates, <clears throat> and um, so Dick Oates goes up there, and next thing you know they're talking, and blah, 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 blah. all of a sudden Thad stands up. He's at the front of the bus, and Mel and the rest are in the back of the bus. It it, it had come to that, <laughs> so so Thad stands up and he goes, "Listen, from now on, you only have one leader." And that leader is Mel, and we and so like wow, and and me from the back, you know, the bus. I said, "Why? What? What? What's going on? What's going on? Talk to us, you know." And he says, "Why should I talk to you?" I said, "Because we're out here with you." <laughs> so, uh, and so he sat down. He didn't say anymore. And then Mel said, "Well, you know, you did what you could do, but you know, that's it." But that that was the moment when everybody was like, Vroom. "We fused." To, to wow. Mel Lewis at that time, because we felt like uh, he handled it in a, in a, you know, 
strange way because Thad Jones was one of the greatest musicians ever. Yeah. Trumpet, writing, everything. Just wonderful. And if Thad Jones had stood up and said, listen, I'm leaving and I'm going to go here and I'm going to go to Timbuktu and blah, blah, blah. Anybody in their right mind would say, thank you for the time that we were together and we, we have, you have all of our blessings. So it wasn't mm. about, mm -hmm. you know, that. So, you know, so that was the way he, he, was, he was able to handle it. Mm. But we felt... And then he start. Then when we go to another uh, venue, he started trying to sabotage things. And oh all. no! It got okay. really petty. I hate to put this on camera, but that's what happened. <laughs> <laughs> it finally so, came out. Yeah, right. right. <laughs> so, um, you know, and then we fused, and we were we were that, and we didn't know what what we were. I mean, we were with we were with the Mel Lewis Orchestra pretty much at that point. Hmm. When we came home, of course, you know, Mel Lewis was with the band and Mel, we was just dejected. And of course, I'm sure Mel reached out a million times to, to try and change it and, you know, reconsider and all that kind of stuff. But, um, uh, but you know, Mel had such a, a vast array of, you know, people that he could call upon. He said, well, let's try you know, you know, some other writers. He, he had a lot of writer friends in from L.A. Mm -hmm. um, uh, Jimmy Jufri had some stuff in there. Uh, and, of course, his, his buddy, uh, um, Bob Brookmeyer. And he asked Bob Brookmeyer to come back to New York and become the musical director. And that was a really good choice. And, um, of course, we were all locked into... Thad Jones music, and so when Bob Brookmeyer came with this other stuff, you know, angular stuff, we were like, "Oh my God, what is this?" <laughs> and it was very sophisticated, sure, and and a lot of it was over a lot of our heads. I don't know about the rest of them, but it was over my head for mm -hmm. sure. <laughs> and uh, it took me a while to 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 get used to it. And a lot of people lost their some people lost their job over it, you know, uh, protesting, you know, and but. It, the thing was, was that this is the way we're going to go and, um, and, and move forward. And uh, we did that. And, if, and then after that, how we became the Vanguard Jazz Orchestra, you know, of course, Thad, passed, Thad Jones passed away. And then Mel, you know, um, um, the, uh, got was stricken with cancer and he battled with cancer and lost that battle. And... Um, so after he passed away, um, there we were sitting like, now what do we do? Now here's the important thing. The important thing is that we, we decided, and this was unanimous. We you know, had a band meeting um, at my house, actually, I remember now. Uh, we did not want to become a ghost band. Mm -hmm. You know, we did not even want to become a repertoire ghost band, blah, blah, blah. What was really exciting about uh, Thad Jones, Mel Lewis, and the Mel Lewis band was that we had great charts, but we looked forward, and we, 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 we had arrangements on the highest level, and uh, we wanted to keep that and, and commission new pieces and, and things like that. So... What we decided to do was to become a nonprofit organization. So we started the 16 is One Music Inc. And um, at that time, there were a lot of grants out there. 
-hmm. And so we got some grants to uh, get new music, and but we also had that treasure trove of that catalog. Wow. Yeah, unbelievable. And yeah. So and then and so that's the way we went. And so all of a sudden we 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 said, well, you know, we had to need a name change, you know, because we couldn't. It would be a ghost band if we stayed. Yeah, the Thad Jones, Mel Lewis Jazz Orchestra. So uh, we said, well, the Vanguard, meaning we will stay on the Vanguard of the music, mm -hmm. and also it was. We are at the Village Vanguard, so it like, just yeah. seemed right. It just seemed right. Yeah. So we all went boom, and so that's and then we just rolled the dice, you know. And here's very important. Uh, at this time, Lorraine Gordon um, uh, had faith in us and said, "Okay, you keep you guys keep going because first of all, it was twice they the 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 Village Vanguard could have said, "Okay, the band is not the same anymore." we're going to move on. You know how many great bands are in New York. So they, they could have just moved them. But they had faith in Mel, and then they they had faith in uh, in us. And um, uh, to that end, what really surprised me, a lot of times when we became the Vanguard Jazz Orchestra and we would do a gig and we weren't there on a Monday night, in the beginning, they started using other bands uh, mm -hmm. on the Monday nights when we weren't there. Mm -hmm. I'm sure you played there with uh, Bob Menzer or mm -hmm. whatever. Yeah, yeah. So, um, or Maria or, or whatever. And so after a while when we would go away, they said, no, we're just going to close because we had a really good following. Sure. And people would, people would not just come to the Village Vanguard. They came to, to hear the Vanguard Jazz Orchestra. And I was like, wow, and that was a big revelation for us. And so... Uh, we just hung in there, and so we, uh, John Mosca just, you know, he's, he was a godsend. He just took it upon himself to do everything. He was doing everything from collecting the music, calling the music, and this and that, and then, you know, and of course, always Dick Oates was always, uh, the guy and basically in the background, like saying, I, you know, try this, try that, and such a great musician. So, and I'm sitting there, the bass and bone player, and I just saw John Mosca doing all of this, this work. I said, he needs some help. <laughs> so I said, well, John, let me help you collect the music. Let me do this. Because in, in musician form, you know, guys would play the game. But okay, bye, I'm out of here. <laughs> so, so That's, we have do have a tendency to do that. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> but oh, but what was really good was that I was always doing Broadway, and I had something steady, and I would see the difference the way the musicians were treated on Broadway and the, and the jazz musicians were treated, and I always thought the music was more fun in the jazz scene. What? <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm not that way. So, so I said I want that respect and that kind of treatment that we got with the jazz, you know, with the jazz guys. So I'm going to try and make it that way. Yeah. And so I started helping John Mosca. And then eventually things got into, uh, I became, um, when we started the nonprofit organization, it was uh, the, um, the three officers for me and Dick Oates and, and John Mosca. Uh -huh. And then, um, you know, things evolved and I became, you know, oh, I love, I always love uh, 
record dates. I still, to this day, I'm excited. Sure. I don't know about you. <laughs> I love them. Yeah, course, I mean, it's like, course. wow, you know, it's like, oh, this is so cool. Um, uh, like, well, we're recording, you know. <laughs> so uh, whenever I would do, there was actually a, a, a recording scene in New York back in the day. Well, for me, anyway, you probably do it every other. What time is your session, bro? <laughs> yeah, I believe it's in October, yeah, actually. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so, so anyway, uh, I just remembered all the stuff that I would see on the record dates that I were, you know, that was in. And, um, and then I said, um, I wanted to, to, to produce some of our records. And, mm -hmm. um, and that's not, I mean, you've done a great job. And I, and I, I have to just say, like, when you see the evolution of the band, I, I remember back to when when it was Mel's band and you did the record with Skylark and mm -hmm. Hello and Goodbye and how it changed the sound of the band. And now and you guys have successfully done that, you know, without your two original leaders. And, and the band has such an identifiable sound. And, you know, I, I know Jim McNeely has written a lot of uh, uh, in fact, one of the records was uh, Lickety Split, right? Was yes. It was all his. Yeah. Music. All his, so, yes. So you guys have really and that's a tribute to you as well as the producer, like figured out a way to still pay homage and, and to the past. But you didn't rely on it being a ghost band. I mean, you could still just play Thad charts and everybody would Indeed, love it. Everybody but, would be happy. But you guys have forged Never. on and uh, and it's yeah. it's 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 just amazing. And and, and uh, it's, we I think there's still that what we were talking about before. People come to New York, and the first thing on their list, go hear the Vanguard yeah. Jazz Orchestra. So yeah. uh, it's awesome. Yeah. Oh, it's thank continued uh, great work and oh, success with that. Thank you, man. Um, we could spend the rest of the interview yeah, talking right. about this. I know. But, um, but, and, we'll, and we will go back yeah. and forth. But let's mm -hmm. just touch on a few other things. I know one of the bands that I was fascinated by, um, you know, about the same time that the Jazz and Lincoln Center was starting, uh, Carnegie Hall started oh, yeah. their own jazz band, which you were a charter member of and mm -hmm. led by John Faddis. And... Uh, um, maybe talk about that band a little bit. It doesn't get the attention that I think uh, right. it should it should get, and uh, and it doesn't exist anymore. But it had a very very prolific, fruitful period there for about mm -hmm. eight or nine years, whatever that was. Mm -hmm. Your thoughts about the Carnegie yeah. Hall Jazz Band? I, I'm first. I'm so so proud that I was a part of the Carnegie Hall Jazz Band, and it, you know because it was during the period where you know of course we had the stature of you know Carnegie Hall. And just being like a you know a regular member of just Carnegie Hall, but it was done on such a high level. John Faddis is a great band leader, by the way. Mm -hmm. I mean, not other than just being uh, a great trumpet player, great band leader. And he he was of course he was a very very important part of Thad Jones Mel Lewis. And so and he I'm sure he he brought a lot of that with him. And so he incorporated all of the great arrangements all the music was new and and so he mm. would have slide hampton you know even jim mcneely frank foster all these great it was just wonderful when you, when you think about it um and uh uh so we he um commissioned new music and we played that it was just great i just i just love it and the and the players in there i mean like frank like uh, frank west Oh yeah, my yeah. God! You know, <laughs> it was just—I don't know what else to say. But yeah, it was a high level, and I think people—we—I wish we had recorded a lot more. I think there was only like one uh, record, um, um, but you know, we—we we, John Faddis always uh, tried to do things on a first-class level, mm -hmm. and so the he wanted the pay to be right, the 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 sound to be right, and you know. And uh, 
but I think that the economics of everything just you just couldn't do it on that level when things were, were changing eventually. Mm -hmm. So I, I think that's why we only did maybe the one record. I mean, mm -hmm. he, mm -hmm. so. It was a cool group and it's, it's unfortunate it's not around now, but it was great that it uh, existed for that period of time. You know, it was so fun looking at uh, your resume and biography uh, in preparation for this interview, but uh, I knew you'd done a lot of stuff, but like mm -hmm. the, the, the depth of uh, the work that you, the body of work that you've created over the last 40 years, very impressive. Mm -hmm. Can I ask you just kind of quick thoughts, if you can, about some of these amazing, some of the most important figures in the history of jazz mm -hmm. uh, that you've recorded with, some of them very extensively, probably some less so, but, but you've associated with all these unbelievable mm -hmm. musicians. I just wanted to throw a few out there. Start off with the great Joe Henderson. Mm. Well, Joe Henderson, I did not have a, a, a personal relationship with with Joe. Uh, that was a, a re recording session that I did a part of. It was like the recording session of the year that year, and uh, <laughs> it was great. I mean, I look over there, and there's like Freddie Hubbard and Joe Henderson <laughs> and Slide, and I'm like, oh, my God. You know, so I was just holding on for dear life. Yeah. You know? <laughs> But it was just great to, to to be a part of that. I wish I could uh, say more about uh, Joe Henderson, but we, uh, he was a very quiet man. So you know, you just don't go up to Joe. Hey, Joe, what's going on, baby? <laughs> <laughs> I, at least not for me. Another another true gentleman, J.J. Johnson. Oh my God, J.J. Johnson. J.J. Uh, Johnson oh, was such a gentleman and such an artist and and discerning. Uh, musician, I was just so proud because you know I grew up listening to to JJ. We all did, of course. And uh, and just for him to to be in the circle and, and even recording with him was just uh, um, phenomenal. And you know, Slide Hampton has so much respect for 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 JJ and and just I don't know. It's just been so so lucky and blessed and. I'm fortunate to... Well, that was my next name because he's the next guy, you know, yeah, really yeah, in the yeah. history of the... And, yeah. and it's such an important figure. But yeah. well, you, I know you have a deep relationship yeah. with Slide Hampton. Well, Slide Hampton, I love him like a father. You know, I, I think he's... He is just a great person and great musician, of course. And uh, he is so unsung, you know, like, wow. As a matter of fact, um, I'm going to start a project to get his music and his arrangements more out in the public. So mm. look out for that. Wow, so, great. That's yeah, fantastic. I, we're, we're in talks about getting all of his stuff in one place and then get them published. You know, he just uh, celebrated his 85th uh, birthday. So yeah. it's time. <laughs> 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 and and I'm sure everybody does know, but Slide Hampton, one of the great, also one of the great arrangers of all time. Yes. I mean, like yes, uh, yes. very. It's hard to say underrated, but because he, he's just so. But but yeah, he deserves much more recognition. So yes. so great. And so I'm going to do my my best to help uh, bring him out to the you know to the fore. Awesome. Uh, a gentleman you've been working with now, doing some contracting for, in addition to playing, but uh, the legendary Ron Carter. Oh, Ron Carter. Um, okay, I've been playing with Ron Carter, and also I know um, you probably got to mention uh, Christy McBride, but I'm playing bass trombone on these bass player albums, and I'm like, wow, this is cool. Because <laughs> we're playing the same notes and, and things, and uh, uh, I'm just really honored to, to play uh, with, with both of those gentlemen. 
but uh, Ron Carter is, um, uh, wow, I, I do spend some time with, you know, with, with Ron. I go over his home and his house and, uh, and, and uh, hang out a little bit. And uh, it's just a quiet man, mm-hmm. you know, soft-spoken mm-hmm. and uh, carries a big stick, you know. <laughs> but uh, it's just an honor to, to, to be with him and musically. And he loves, he's music, music, music. He's listening all the time. And, cool, so, inspiring stuff. Yeah, yeah. And Dizzy Gillespie. I mean, oh, my how, God. How, Dizzy Gillespie so is, the number, is, the, is the number one person. And I tell, I always tell people why. Dizzy Gillespie, to me, was the greatest musician of our time or you know and all the great musicians that i ever met they always say dizzy is the guy wow okay they all say that dizzy is the guy uh i don't and and also you know like jimmy heath i'm also contracting on on his band Mm -hmm. and uh his thing is like dizzy gillespie dizzy gillespie slide hampton dizzy gillespie they all say that without question so I played on on Dizzy Gillespie's big band uh, uh, several seasons, and what I learned from him was that he there were two things important for him was that he loved music and he loved sharing it. Mm. You know, he's, he wasn't one of those guys. Well, I don't want to let you know what I do on this uh, <laughs> sharp eleven blah 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 chord. He was oh wow, check this out, everybody man, look at you, you can do this, and he was so excited. And the second thing was that he liked to laugh. Mm. You know, it was like having fun. I mean, you know, I didn't call him dizzy for nothing, but it's like, <laughs> what a great attitude, you know. Just music and like to have good fun and no attitude, you know. He would, he, you know, he would be in the room and you wouldn't know that he was the greatest cat ever, you know. But uh, I learned a lot from that because there are a lot of people who are not as good as Dizzy with a lot of attitude and they don't deserve it. I was like, wow, man, come on. You yeah. got to be kidding me, right? Yeah, what an unbelievable uh, yeah. beacon, you know. Yeah, of, uh, yeah. That here's here's the way to, here's the way to do yeah. it right, you know. That's uh, very cool. Dizzy was also I was my first production. I oh, when wow. I was okay. on the Dizzy uh, uh, big band and uh, Dizzy did the music for a, a Spanish film um, called Winter in Lisbon, and uh, they had he played and he is acting and all that stuff. And so, but what happened, they didn't have the equipment the way they should have, and all of the sound of his playing was, was, was too low. The levels were too low. So they wanted, they said, well, we got to get those and to play over that. And uh, can you imagine like, the play over <laughs> Dizzy's solo? And so, and so they said, can you do that? Not, not to me, but they were Dizzy's manager. And so uh, the, uh, they said, okay. And then, um, but they said, well, we need somebody to help with this, blah, blah, blah. And I said, I'll do it. <laughs> and then that's they how took, you got to go. That's wow, how I got to awesome. do it. Like, he took, it took a couple of days and said, Doug, yeah, you can do it. So that's when I hired. I have this picture. You will not believe it. It's like Dizzy Gillespie trying to play over the stuff that he played and me over his shoulder like this. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like so scared, you know. But anyway, it's my favorite picture. Wow, that's yeah, awesome. Yeah. I'd love to see that. That's yeah, yeah. very cool. Yeah. Um, you know, let just maybe even talk about you. That's how you got started. But one of the things that I find uh, particularly impressive and inspiring about your career, 
you have, you know, the, you touched on it uh, quite a bit, and there's no question that the business has changed uh, dramatically in our time here in New York. Um, but you figured out a way to navigate through that, and you're you're doing some producing, engineering, mm-hmm. contracting, mm-hmm. still playing all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you how did that just kind of come about? Because or did you kind of feel like, wow, the scene's changing? I'm going to try to try to put as many irons as many fires as I can. Mm, I didn't consciously think of. I okay. didn't consciously think of it. Well, what I you tell students, you know, it's like I, I do what I what I what I love. You know, I love playing the trombone. I, like I said, I love pl- being in the studio. I love the recording stuff. Um, I I actually love organizing the musicians when I'm doing a contracting, you know. Mm. Um, mm. So I do what I love. But you know, the most important thing is that you got to be a nice person. You know, I don't care how well you play. If you're going to be... You know, uh, I'm trying to decide what term I'm going to use. <laughs> if, if you want to be a bad guy, <laughs> if you want to be a guy where no one can get along with you, nobody's. We're in uh, 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 we're in New York, and so there, if we, they can choose all kinds of guys to play your part, you know. Absolutely. And so, why would you? Why would somebody want to play with somebody who's nasty with a bad attitude or everything? I like to have fun. It's it's you know we don't we don't have but a few more. As my friend said, we only have but so many summers left in this <laughs> on this planet. It's a finite number at You're this right, point. Right, right, right. So have some fun, you know. And so I like to get along. And that's the other thing. That's what I meant when I learned from Dizzy. Dizzy like to have some fun. Yeah. You know, yeah. but he's a serious musician. And, and and in his craft, uh, as anyone ever was. So, uh, but he liked to have fun. And I, I always took that as a, you know, a model. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, you've certainly extended that. I mean, I think uh, mm-hmm. even when we did that session a couple of weeks ago, we were just laughing the yeah, whole right. time. And then like, oh, okay, I guess we'll play a little bit here. But, uh, <laughs> right. but basically, you know, yeah. it, having fun. But also, of course, uh, mm-hmm. adhering to the to the business at hand. But uh, And the luck. Luck is like... A big, big deal. I mean, I mean, I didn't do anything that a lot of other people didn't do, but uh, um, you know, some of it is, is is luck. But you gotta you gotta be in the right place at the right time, and, and the right place is New York. Yeah, absolutely. Well, speaking of that, I and I and I gotta kind of address this with you because you've uh, we were talking with Kent before we started. You've been on two like major hit mm. Broadway shows, which. For most of you who know about the Broadway scene, it's it's kind of become the mainstay of work in New York. It's certainly the only thing steady. Uh, there are occasional sessions, but not like it was uh, 30, 40, 50 years ago. So Broadway is a very important uh, mainstay of work in New York, and you uh, hopefully get on shows, but you never know how long a show is going to run. So Douglas was a member of the uh, of the orchestra at Cats, which was a huge mega hit. I mean, mm. ran eighteen years, eighteen right? years, yeah. And now you've been on another massive hit, Wicked, that's been running since two thousand three. So fourteen, yeah, it's weird now fourteen. Yeah, yeah. So let me ask you this: which uh, you and I did a, a very short run show, uh, yeah. Sweet Smell of Success, which. Mm-hmm. I knew it was going to be short run when I saw the Daily News headline in the review. It said, <laughs> sweet smell of rot. And then I thought, you know, uh, this is not going to be cats. I can tell you right now. It's not going to work. But anyway, I, of course, there's, you know, the, the various reasons why you get called for a show. And, you know, you never know how it's going to run. But once you're on it and you've yeah. been able to handle it so well, mm-hmm. like, how do you how do you approach being on a, a, a show that's going to run that long? Yeah. Well, it takes some effort. It really does. Uh, because I learned 
I was so young when Cats started, and I saw all of the battles and all of the things, you know, like musicians, you know, can get in and out of, and man, and fights and <laughs> this and that. But uh, um, so with Wicked now, I'm, you know, I'm a bit older, so I know he's like, man, we have to go out of our way to make sure the scene is nice and clean. So yeah. I, I'm a self-proclaimed sergeant at arms, you know, so <laughs> when things get a little out of hand, it's like, hey, guys, we need to make make things right, you know. You know, as a matter of fact, recently, I, you know, I had to even, you know, say some things to a guy to, to, to make sure everything is smooth and, mm -hmm. you know, because uh, I like to have fun and I'm kidding all the time and, and, and the... The, the brunt of a lot of my jokes are the subs, so <laughs> so I can go a little bit overboard sometimes. Well, I could say having been a sub at Wicked, I enjoyed it immensely because you you just bring like the sense of humor to it, and uh, and still again always with the uh, eye towards professional work, but uh, but you know makes it makes it enjoyable oh, to to you. come in there. Um, Douglas, as we wind down, thank you again for coming up and all the great insight and stories. It's just been a wonderful uh, opportunity to hear about your incredible career. Um, what's for, what, what are you looking to going forward? I'm sure you've got plans with the Vanguard Band. What is, what's on your table now? Uh, you're 40 years into this. It feels like you're just getting warmed up. Yeah. So. <laughs> well, with the, with, the, with, the band, with the Vanguard Jazz Orchestra, you know, there's always the next uh, CD and the next tour. Uh, you know, I really wish the band could uh, tour a lot more in Europe. You know, Europe has uh, um, been kind of slow for us, and you know, but like the business is changing. So to to fly, you know, uh, sixteen pieces plus support people around the world is uh, financially is a yeah. challenge. And so, I, but I really want to play in Europe. We've been doing a, uh, for about nine, almost 10 years, uh, uh, annual tour to Japan. And that's been uh, uh, great, uh, but, but also more recording. Mm -hmm. But for me personally, um, I want, I'm looking into more contracting and producing and, and things like that. and. Uh, you know, see what you've always got new and and thank you for calling yeah. me for this. Like, you know, I couldn't do it. The Chris Potter uh, big band that uh -huh. you did, which was which yeah. I'm like the biggest Chris Potter fan in the world. But yeah. uh, I was like, wow, Douglas is contracting for Chris Potter. I like, uh -huh. <laughs> hey, yeah. did I did you get that check I sent you? Or no, no, okay, yeah. good, good. At any rate, <laughs> it's great to see that you are you know you're doing all you you're you're all over the place with great uh, great oh, projects wow. that are going on. So we we. Look forward to seeing what's coming ahead. Yeah, well, I know, like when I when I when I come on a gig, man, and I see certain faces, it's, man, I'm in the right place. I did it. <laughs> You're, that's all right, man. Man, where's Mick Jagger, Jack? Man, yeah. it's a good question. We'll, right. uh, we'll save that for the next time. Right. But uh, but you know, you didn't ask me this question. I'm surprised you didn't ask me. Okay. What watch am I wearing? <laughs> For those of you who don't, I'm a big watch fan, and he is a bigger watch fan than I am. And uh, and what watch are you wearing? I uh, noticed that it's uh, quite a chronograph. Nice. Well, it's a, it's a IWC, you know, a pilot watch. You know, the classic pilot watch. That is that a classic. Me, yeah. So. And what are you when wearing? I'm wearing a Rolex Air King. Oh <laughs> yeah. Entry level Rolex, <laughs> shall we say? <laughs> Anyway. Right, anyway, that's a great place to leave it. Douglas, yeah. once again, thank you so much for uh, for yeah. coming up today. Thanks for all you've done for the music business and oh. for all of us as trombone players. And uh, we'll look forward to following you with the Vanguard Band and all your other mm -hmm. endeavors. So, yeah, my thank pleasure. You. Thanks, yeah, Douglas. Thanks for having me. We'll see all of you next time on Bone to Pick. All right.
Thank you.